Welcome back to the Cane and Light Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, we're live from the best spirit selection, according to Liquor.com, in all of the world, here at Delilah's, Delilah's. in Lincoln Park of Chicago. Legendary. For another edition of the 12 Days of Barrel Picks, and with me today is our number one boy, the number one salesman, the number one podcaster Ooh. this side of Damon Avenue. I'm just settling in to my podcasting posture right now, into my podcasting bag. Slumped down way down here in the booth and uh, you look very second relaxed. floor. And I the, feel very relaxed. And the man, Thank you. And the man that makes Mystery all the dances goat. Goat's dancing. Thank you for having me. It's me, Matt. Matt um, Brown. Welcome I, back. I, on p- previous episodes, I um, uh, claim to be um, just normal and having a regular time. Yep. Today, I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to be comfor- cozy. Comfor- comfortable Matt. Are you a cozy, cozy girl? Matt. That's I what I tell indeed. my dog's a cozy girl. Oh, cozy like, girl. Hey, cozy bad, girl. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Yep. Also with us today on this edition is Alex Brick of Teeling. I- I think this is the first time you've been on since you started with Teeling. This is the first time since I started with Teeling back in July. In nice. Fact. Yes. Oh, I am congratulations thrilled. on Thank the job. Thank you very job. much. Yeah. I appreciate that. How did, how, did, how did that come about and how's it been going? Blind luck, actually. Uh, oh. Actually, it's a very cute story. So, uh, Matt we were loves in, cute stories. Oh, yes. I'm in my cozy era. I love it. <laughs> we were actually in Dublin uh, last spring and it was right around the time that the, the job was posted here in Chicago and I was looking for a change and I saw the listing whilst we had just left uh, shortly after we left the Teeling Distillery really? on my birthday and went awesome. well how serendipitous no really uh, and I've, I've always been a really big fan of the brand just for many many years it's one it's been my go-to Irish whiskey oh. and it's always been one of my favorite brands and you're so allowed just, to drink Irish in your house uh, yes uh, well I have to I have to hide it actually it's it's American whiskey that I'm not supposed to have oh, really. sure, but uh, sure yeah yes. um, the, the good news is we do have one peated Irish so that definitely is that's sort of the, the way to smooth that over in my household also you have now broken the record for how how quickly you spoke about my partner in this podcast oh, with oh. me on. So I've well done. Me- that I haven't was, mentioned her. That was like, so. Well, you mentioned my household and she's a part of that. So Allegedly. 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 So you're not allowed to drink American whiskey? Only, <laughs> only, sco- only scotch? <laughs> with Is that... Coming from the woman who who bought a Jack Daniels single barrel. A single barrel, yeah. <laughs> Build yeah. for me the lore to this. Uh... Do you know Kelly, right? Nakagama? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. that's why. They're in a relationship. My they share a home. <laughs> we, we share a home. Love of my life. She's amazing. I, in fact, told her that if she came today, that she would definitely be preferred uh, the preferred guest on the mm. podcast to myself. So that's she hasn't uh, been on in years. I know. Well, she's, avoiding she's, us. She's missing out. But. Avoiding us. Anyway, please go ahead and tell Matt why you can't drink American whiskey. <laughs> well, Kelly's absolutely <laughs> obsessed with uh, with just single malt scotch in general it's okay. it's scottish whiskey that really is her true love she Got loves it. and in fact she loves heavily peated scottish whiskey more than anything else single malt in general which of course explains her absolute adoration of the marvelous starward whiskey that is out uh-huh. there. She, she's big never big heard of it of, never heard <laughs> of it uh and fortunately teeling sneaks under the radar with the the uh, plethora of wonderful single malts that we offer as well absolutely yeah. However, American whiskey, she has the utmost disdain for. <laughs> I believe her exact words are, bourbon is boring. Yes, that's, that's, her, that's her issue. Which I have some really lovely American whiskey at, at home. In fact, last, time, last oh. time I was on this podcast, I was uh, featuring some lovely were, American yeah. whiskey that I'm very fond of. And in fact, you, sir, <laughs> sell some fantastic American whiskey from my, from my homeland of Wisconsin. Matt? <laughs> 
Matthew? Uh, yeah, I work for Dancing would, Ghost. Would that a comment on that? Uh, your, our, our your, wonderful whiskeys. Your episode was beautiful. Uh, sure. We we have some good some good whiskeys that I'm a fan of. I don't find them boring. Although <laughs> I I do accept any and all, um, whatever comments. I guess I'm uh, not. Gonna, I can't do anything about it. I don't make the no. whiskey, but yeah, you can tell me whatever. To to your credit <laughs> and to Kelly's discredits, and I will. Okay. I, will oh, this is, I, I right. hope you're recording this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Actually, I'm like, last I am. Last <laughs> uh, when we went to the distillery, what we brought home with us was a bottle of the cast strength bourbon. Oh yeah, which the disappeared uh, and humble. Yes, which disappeared a lot more quickly than it probably should have. But that but, does uh, show that there are distilleries that are doing non-boring activities absolutely. in the American whiskey space, and I. I I, I actually agree with Kelly a lot of the time about American whiskey where it's just not as challenging. But then I had I popped a bottle of o- Old Overholt uh, 11 year from 2020 there at night. You're like, oh my God, this I could drink this entire bottle right now. Oh, yeah. It's so delicious. It, mm. and again, as I was expounding upon when I was here with, with my former role at Woodenville, the, their Muscatel finish that I think I oh, mentioned on that podcast, yeah. it's, it's stunning Great. whiskey. It's absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, I guest of later on today and former co-worker of yours, Eric Rosentretter, uh, yes. he gave me a sample of that years ago at a whiskey festival, mm-hmm. and then he may or may not have snuck the bottle into my backpack. <laughs> I don't know. He's, I don't know. He's a good man like that. I don't that. know. He's yeah. a good man. Sneaky Eric. Ooh, hey. Sneaky Eric might come on later. He could be on the Sticky Bandits, Home Alone 2. Hey. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but um, maybe so. Imagine uh, Eric and Susan Dragons. breaking into your home. They're coming here to record with us today as a couple. We did have the idea years ago about how we could do a talk show, podcast, game show, trivia night extravaganza with couples in the industry. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. Kelly and Alex, Kelly was working for Brown Foreman at the time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she's still very adjacent to the whole whiskey world by running Women Who Whiskey, Chicago Chapter 13. I don't think there's a 13 involved, but um, yeah, it would be, it was still, I, it's still on my list of things to do eventually. It'd be a lot of fun. We need at least a third couple though. Mm-hmm. Do you know anybody? Well, it's it's too bad that uh, Jenna uh, left yeah. left her role because we could what we could ask them. What is what is her new job? She still could kind of qualify. I feel like what about yeah, well, the, absolutely? She's she's still part of the industry. Uh, I I would I will butcher this, so I'm not gonna try because it's being recorded, and I don't want her to text me angrily saying, "Oh, you've misrepresented me." Don't worry, she doesn't listen. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, oh, but no. <laughs> uh, that, that being said, I know that the company she's working with now basically is one of those uh, sort of generator companies trying to help ambassadors and brands oh, actually yeah, do like well. Bev Force or stuff like that. Something around that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another company I think that does the same thing. I'm not really sure what they do, to be honest. Yeah, it's more of a, I shouldn't say More thing. of a jobs platform, ultimately. It's like, oh. That's like Booze Industry LinkedIn. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. It's something else for Bev something, but not Force. Hmm. Anyway... Who no, cares? no, you'll get it. Keep no, on, no, keep no, on rolling no. through. Sean Deitch will help me. So yeah. we're watching <laughs> Everton Fulham in the, the Carabao Cup. Of course, if you're Jurgen Klopp, you pronounce it the Caraboa Cup. Caraboa. Even though you have do you know what, lived in England for eight years. Do you yes. know what Carabao is? It's an energy drink. Isn't oh it? wow, yes. So we've talked about. It has like uh, eighty grams of sugar or something. Oh, really? I looked oh, it up one time. God. Yeah, it's really high sugar. So we've talked about. Kelly, we've talked about the Rosentreaders. Let's go talk about you, Alex. Oh, shucks. wow. So, you all grown up as a host. Thank you. Uh, in my comfy era, I really uh, <laughs> I really yeah, it keeps me it keeps me um, engaged. Engaged. Thank you. <laughs> You're so, <welcome>. uh, 
uh, being in Irish whiskey, mm-hmm. is the single barrel a great excuse to okay. talk about Irish whiskey not in the months of February and March? Is it something you look forward to having oh. in your bag, you know? Oh, absolutely. So one of the, one of the beautiful things, I'm going to start at the macro level here with just Irish whiskey in general and then move I over wish to you would. That's great, yeah. Because I'm, a, you know, no whiskey slouch, but it's not even a category that I really understand very well. So oh, you could fill me in. Absolutely. So uh, before, well, first of all, just because Jake has gone and poured some whiskey for us, I'm going to say, Slanja gentlemen, thank yeah, you for cheers. having me. Cheers all around. Uh, I will get into describing this bottle in a little bit, but what we are trying is the single barrel pick of Ruby Port Cask Single Malt. Mm. That is from our friends here at Warehouse Liquors here in Chicago in the South Loop. This is our single Never malt. heard of them. Never heard of them. <laughs> uh, 58.4%. So take your time, fellas. This is not messing around. Yeah. Mm. No, I think it is. We haven't had an Irish whiskey mm. on... I th- we've had to have somebody from an Irish whiskey, whiskey distillery. I don't know. Yeah, definitely Why? danced around it. But yeah, we even really talked too much about the uh, the laws, the history, the yeah. nature of Irish whiskey. Well, I am I am happy to come back and do a full yeah. category episode, or I can just dive into it right now. We can you prefer. Go for it. What what I will say is that uh, to to try to keep myself as brief as possible. Working in Irish whiskey is has been an absolute blast because in many ways it's it's the wild west so the the way i like to put it as as we all know every different uh, uh country of origin every different appellation of whiskey out there has its own set of very specific rules mm-hmm. right and what i always like to say is that when ireland was putting its actual laws in place for what could be irish whiskey it was trying to just copy off of scotland's homework and did a really bad job of it mm-hmm. so my favorite my favorite example of that this is, is in that, the 19th century. Uh, yes, still? Okay. yes. So basically, when when all of that came about, you know, Scotland has those very strict rules of this needs to be matured mm. in oaks, things like that. The Irish law is that it needs to be matured in wood. Mm. <laughs> that is our only only rule right there. So we have so much freedom to play around with weird casks, uh, exotic hardwoods, uh, woods that you would consider a thirsty wood that that absorbs a lot and doesn't give a lot back. So we've had single barrels of Amburana and teak and cherry wood and just really? all kinds of wackadoo That's stuff. Cool. Yeah. Um, you could, you could make a fucking plywood barrel in Ireland and legally. Okay. <laughs> eat your well, whiskey maybe that, maybe we will. Maybe we'll try that. Sounds pretty cheap. Yeah. Balsa wood. Balsa wood. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Make some towers out of it too and test the strength. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, a nice pine wood derby barrel. Yes, exactly. Ooh. It's on you wheels actually, and everything. You actually have to ride it down <laughs> yes. the hill and see how quick, Though I think the liquid would give you an unfair advantage at that point. But you the, think so? I would the think The weight so. of it, yeah. yeah. That's um, how it did. It touches all parts of the wood and absorbed flavor. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Well, that being said, we have a lot to Wheeling. With. Wheeling whiskey. It was on <laughs> wheels. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Anyway. Goodbye. We'll see ya. So anyway, wood in Ireland. Uh, wood in Ireland. So we have a lot to experiment with. We, we just, it really is the Wild West in that regard. In, in terms of the history of Irish whiskey and why it's been opening up so much, because it is the fastest growing category in the world right now. Oh, wow. Really? Irish whiskey has just been blowing up. And part, Is that whiskey or spirits in general? Um, I would hazard to say spirits in general. There are a lot of phenomenal Irish gins that have been coming right, out and right. eventually trickling their way into the U.S. market. 
Um, not as many as I should like because I'm a huge gin fan and, and there's some brilliant stuff in Ireland. But Irish whiskey in general for many years has been dominated by, you know, and I will happily name brands, obviously Jameson, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And a big part of that is because Irish whiskey used to be the world whiskey back in the, back in the 19th century. Yep. So without di- diving too far into the nerdy history there, that literally at one point in time, over 70% of the whiskey consumed in the world was made in Dublin. And Dublin single pot still whiskey was the world whiskey, right? So eventually all these factors, uh, American prohibition, Irish war of independence, uh, new technology, things like that, basically started slowly but surely wiping Irish whiskey off the map. Because Scotch supplanted Irish during prohibition, didn't it? Yes. So so really that that also came with the advent of the, the coffee still, the patent still, column distillation, however you want to put that. Again, there's a lot of a lot of history here. But it was really the lowlands of Scotland for the most part that said, yes, we will take this new technology because we can make so much more juice so much more quickly. Mm-hmm. The lowlands. There you go. And the lowlands. So very much of Ireland said, no, we don't really want to do that. Now that's also a bit of hearsay. A lot of smaller brands were willing to use column distillation, but most of like the big They're name brands. They're using the column in the lowlands. Precisely. Callum, how'd you get in here? Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. I thought, we, I thought we, you were in New York. I thought we kicked you out. Um, anyway, all that being said, by the by about the 70s, Irish whiskey was almost gone. Mm-hmm. And long story short, a bunch of people banded together to make either Middleton through IDL, which they were making Jameson and Powers and a few other brands there. And then there was Bushmills up north. Yep. So for the next... 20 plus years what the world saw as irish whiskey was just jameson because that's what that's what the middleton companies basically said this is going to be our flagship because there's what three distilleries in operation uh at that point in time yeah so you know we all of irish whiskey owes a lot to jameson specifically and bushmills for keeping it alive yeah, right. because otherwise irish whiskey just might not exist to this day love that black bush oh yeah fantastic absolute classic um <laughs> Rolling through my Rolodex of jokes, like Black Bush. No, can't say that. That was the joke. No, yeah. not that yeah. one. Hey, if you if you like um, Black, uh, hey 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 guys, if if you like Black Bush, you'll um, love um, dark, dark dark shrub. God, yep. thanks, Matt. Yeah, Damn. really, really knock, got it there. Knock no. that one out of the park. I'm too co- I'm too cozy. We can uh, workshop that for a while, okay, though, if thanks. you'd like. Anyway, so Bushmills and Jameson keep the life they, alive. They, they keep they keep everything alive, but with Jameson in particular, that really gave the idea to the world, and they specifically marketed it as thus that it you know Irish whiskey is light, bright, mm-hmm. easy to drink, not a lot of character to it. Uh, which I, I say that sounding rude. Jameson, if you sip it neat, has phenomenal character to it. It's yeah. actually really lovely whiskey. Um, but most of us are taking shots of it in dive bars on St. Because America is the biggest uh, market for yeah. Jemison, correct? I do believe so. Yeah. You know, well, far, you far, be, far be it for me to discuss yeah. the business of competitors. Right? Sure, sure, well, sure. Well, actually, not hardly competitors. They own they own seventy percent of Irish whiskey yeah. business yeah. worldwide. Yeah. They're they're nobody's competitor. Sure. Anyway, moving on from that rant. So what you know what our owners really tried to do starting in 2012 when our distillery in Dublin first opened back up was go back to what Irish whiskey was in its heyday, and that's very much what we're pushing to this day. Mm. Is that so single pot still distillation? Single pot. We were actually the first Dublin single pot still distillate to be released in Dublin in 
over 50 years, something like that, 70 yeah. years, somewhere in that neck of the woods. So we really helped. I mean, there's there's a reason the Phoenix is our logo. We were all part of the revival. That's yeah. the whole bit of Irish whiskey. But Irish whiskey is categorical. You know, we, the, we Ireland makes grain whiskey and single malt whiskey and uh, pot still being the like true Irish appellation. And then of course, blended whiskeys like, you know, your Jameson's, your Tully's, our lovely Teeling small batch, so many blended whiskeys that are out on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, when did Teeling initially shut its doors? So the fr- original Teeling was owned by Walter Teeling, opened up in uh, 1782. Uh, that was in the Liberties area of Dublin. That's where all of these really, yeah. there was this super concentrated chunk of Dublin where all of these distilleries were open. They were around for about, I want to say 50, 60 years, something like that. Okay. So they shuttered a little earlier on. Right around the boom of of Irish whiskey, yeah. So um, they missed the whole grocer part of it all. For yes, for the most part. Yeah, so okay. b- before before everyone was sort of selling off to independent labelers, right, things right. like that. They uh, so that that was actually one of the big reasons I believe that our owners wanted to tag back into the, the Irish whiskey world, is they wanted to make sure that their name, the Teeling name, was like, no, this is our brand. This is what we do. Interesting. They had a lot of experience in making Irish whiskey. Uh, John Teeling, the, the father of our owners, Jack and Stephen, he was the one that first opened up Cooley, uh, which now is owned by uh, Beam Suntory that makes all of their brands. He was the first one that looked into this and said, oh, we're looking kind of at the model of what MGP does here in, in the United States, mm-hmm. saying, you know, we don't need to put our name on this. We can just make really good distillate and then source it to all these other brands. Still, the vast majority of Irish brands you find on shelves in the United States are sourcing their whiskeys. Hmm. And it's wonderful that we live in a world where that's no longer a swear word, where right. people are allowed to source whiskey and finish it themselves. Um, but once he sold uh, once he sold Cooley to Beam Suntory, he went, wow, that worked really well. I'm going to do it again. And he opened up what's now Great Northern. And Great Northern is the same concept, and it's still sourcing juice to all over Ireland. When they decided to part ways from Cooley... Jack and Steven started talking and saying, you know, we want to do, we want to do Teeling. We want to make this our brand. We want to do our thing. Mm-hmm. Part of their departure, both of which had been working for Cooley for many years, part of their departure included a lot of barrels that came with them. So, you know, you, oh. you'll, you'll be talking to a brand and say, well, if you opened up in 2012, how could you have just launched both a 33 and a 40 year old whiskey <laughs> this year? Well, it's because it was made at Cooley. Yeah. My favorite part about that is even if this, the, remaining naysayers about sourcing juice say well it's sourced it's not really yours haha the teelings still made it yeah right it's nice to have that little card in your back pocket yeah Yeah. it's a a fun i remember when they were first opening in uh i was i'd be giving tours over at coval and every Mm. once in a while irish people would come over come over you know and have a trip and come by and have some whiskey have take a tour and they were really excited about the new distilleries popping up teeling being one of them and i remember having the confusion of like Wait, how do they have this old whiskey? And reading about mm-hmm. it, and you kind of, and not complete under completely understanding the limited supply of sourcing mm-hmm. um, that is ubiquitous in the entire whiskey world, not yes. just in America, not just in Ireland, but everywhere else that whiskey is made. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. It's part of the DNA of, of it's, whiskey making. It's interesting because the well, the DNA of Teeling is also within the DNA of Dancing Goat. Oh, interesting. I mean, Nick's goal is to become like he. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he I wants to make he wants to make whiskey for lots of different people. Yeah, and we we certainly have the capability to do so. Allegedly, uh, we processed uh, um, over a million pounds of grain in twenty twenty three. Wow, isn't that wild? Yeah. So, um, man, I wish I remembered more details about how, uh, 
Please, thank Please, you. Yeah, wow. Says. Generous Alex pouring us a little more. That's great. Um, well, that's the thing is we ha- we haven't even talked about it yet, and we all basically uh, finished uh, our pours. Yeah, so, yeah, that's know, a we, good point. It, I, yeah, it was like dark. We did that, <laughs> we did that the other day with uh, <laughs> Chesney's uh, Old, Old Forester. Forester yeah. yeah. That, that, we drank that, it immediately. It's that went straight good. to my head. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh. <laughs> that actually uh, made me see better. Oh, yeah, you weren't feeling very no, well today. it made me... I felt better after that pour in particular. This is why I miss... Uh, Recording in bars, the sounds of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hair, hair of the dog is very real, though. So if you're, if you're, I know, man. Will, there's, there's actual chemistry behind mm-hmm. why that cleared up your vision. Yeah. yeah. Wild. Is that what you had? Hair of the dog syndrome. Something like, something like that. I had a, I had a migraine. Mm. But I had one the other day. How to start. feel? Not great. It came from uh, being in a cigar lounge for like four or five hours. Dude, that'll, that'll fucking get you. do it. I don't it. smoke. I don't smoke cigars really, like one a year. And I also, I also don't smoke them inside. Yeah. Um, I also don't smoke them inside when they turn the fans off. Woof. Why did they turn the fans off? Because I was doing a presentation, so they just opened one of the back doors <laughs> oh, so they could hear me. Lord. Yeah. I, so. I love a good cigar. Don't get me wrong, but inside with no fans, that's a that's a little hefty. Oh, I thought I was gonna get a fine from my hotel because my clothes. Oh, yeah. reeked so bad that when I left and came back in the morning, it smelled like I was smoking a cigar in the room. Mm-hmm. Not like faint notes of it. No, just yeah. like mm-hmm. in, yeah, in the room. Like a cigar. Yeah, I went and bought a bottle of Febreze and Febreze the couch my clothes were laying on. It <laughs> so, yeah, so bad, but we shall survive. I think uh, when you're smoking a cigar, a cigar, it looks like you're you're chomping on just a little turd, just a little little poop. Oh, I love the. The look of it. The look of it. The yeah. poop look. I like. I like a good tasting cigar, but you know, I don't need to smoke it inside. It just looks like uh, eating. You're slowly eating a turd. The thing too was the account was super cool. Um, it was Scar Lounge. If you think that cigars look like turds, use use the hashtag uh, smoke smoke your smoke, smoke your poops smoke turds smoke turds um, hashtag not a real hashtag. Formerly <laughs> known as Twitter. Yeah, I just don't get how people can hang out there. Because the guys that I was with, they probably hang out there a couple times a night, but you're like, mm-hmm. whatever clothes you wear, just done for for a while. You just leave them on the back porch before you go into your house. I guess in so. In a big keep. I guess you figure it out. Cigar lounges just need locker rooms, basically, mm-hmm. so that you could just have one outfit that you wear inside and then change your clothes and leave. Love is that, that. Is that what a smoking jacket is? It's the oh, jacket you put maybe. on so that you that. don't make your other clothes smelly? I thought I it was to show esteem. I had never considered that, but I'm, I'm now very interested. Especially because I'm watching a, a season two of The Gilded Age right now, so I'd really mm-hmm. like to know, because that's that very much like smoking jacket mm-hmm. kind of time frame. We'll get IT support on that right yeah, away. Men are going to go off to the parlor. <laughs> that's and, you. If you, think, <laughs> if you think that smoking jackets are for smoking, use a hashtag uh, smokers only jacket. Cheers. Okay. Um, hashtag so came <laughs> back to the teeling. When did the idea of single barrels or having a single barrel program become part of the distillery? I, I would hazard to say that was always part of the conversation. Were they trying to build oh, cool. it more about what America was doing more modernly, or is it just a completely different approach that what's been done, not been done, but maybe not taking full advantage of it in, in Ireland? Yeah, I, I think realistically what that has to do with is being able to showcase what Ireland can do in the overall whiskey market. Mm. So our master distiller, Alex Chaskos, he... Hey, um, hey actually, same, same name. Hey, you oh, guys can big, bond over your big, similar big first... Big fan, great guy. Names. 
Um, he actually started in the uh, in the beer world in the U.S. He's from uh, he's from Oregon originally, <laughs> and he wound up actually at Cooley for many years. So he helped develop some of their brands. He worked for them, and he wound up coming over to Teeling because he he and Jack and Steven all very much identified that idea of just like no, we can do so much more with Irish whiskey. Yeah. And so they very much started our single barrel programs early on. They put a lot of juice in a lot of barrels. Um, this lovely Ruby Port cask is a fantastic example of that, where there are a number of different Ruby Port casks out there because Alex got his hands on just a whole bunch of port pipes at one point in time mm. and went, oh, cool, I'm going to stick single malt in all these and see what happens. And various, I mean, there are some lovely accounts that have picked them up here. I, I know Binny's had their own. This is the one from Warehouse. The uh, pipe is the big guy, right? That's the big... Uh, port yeah, barrel. That's that's the, well. No, it's it's not like it's not like the full demi weed, not that gigantic style. Okay, that's just the reference to the fact that port casts are the tall, skinny style as opposed to ah, uh, a sherry it. barrel, yeah, or sherry butt, as it were. Um, that being said, so this is a great example. All of our all of our rare cask series, those single malts were things that he had started experimenting with mm. back at Cooley, basically. So that that juice, some of that juice was in those barrels that they took with them. And it's like, nope, this is this is what we're releasing. This is our barrel program. We've had, from what I have heard, well over a hundred single casks in the last decade basically hit various markets all over the place. I probably have two dozen at home that Binnie's alone selected. I have all kinds of wacky stuff that's around. One of my favorites that you can rarely find anymore was a, it was a uh, a single pot still, and it was a PX brandy chestnut cask. And to dissect that, that was brandy that had been made out of the Pedro Jimenez grape, that was aged in a 700 liter chestnut demi weed, <laughs> that we then put whiskey into, and released it, and it was a Benny's single barrel pick. That's wild. It's. One of the most fantastic fantastic whiskeys I've ever tried. If you see it at a Binnie's, there's I don't know maybe like three or four bottles left somewhere right. in the states, but there there claims to be an inventory somewhere. If you find it, buy it. How many bottles weird. that yielded? I actually have no idea how many of that came out. I assume a lot. Uh, it was a 700 liter yeah. uh, barrel, so yeah, I should I should assume as much, but I actually don't have a number on that. Huh. Just a wild. Do they, category. yeah, I mean, it's it's such a big barrel. Do they, um, you know, harvest like, you know, 40 wine gallons from it and then blend the rest? Or is, did they put whiskey question. in the 700, uh, the 700 liter big boy with the intention of selling it all as single barrels? That's a great question. And as I was now at the company when the project happened, I have no idea. Yeah be interesting you know one of the one of the nice things about those big barrels and specialty barrels that we find with uh dancing goat is um if someone wants a lower quantity of it that's fine i mean we fill those finishing the like the bitters finishing barrels mm -hmm. to the the absolute top and if um folks only want to buy f 15 cases of it that's fine we i'm just, surprised more distilleries just don't do that sit. i think they are now because yeah Demand's kind of fallen yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, single crazy is definitely falling off. But because I, I mean, I tried doing that. I, I had to convince my company of it where selling 40 cases of a single barrel of a relatively unknown brand in the U.S. is very difficult. If you can bring that down to 20 cases uh, yeah. or like let's say the barrel only yielded 38 cases and we're only talking, you know, in the teens versus even in the 20s, 
makes it much more approachable to go into accounts and take a risk on that at a price point somewhere in the five to six yeah. thousand dollar range. The, the mind the mindset has to change on them from being a gold mine for us yes, distilleries. Good point. And like, well, this is a fucking thing. We have barrels. Let's just fucking sell them out the door. Right. Well, you know, just because you have, doesn't mean they're worth. They're worthy of being a single barrel. Totally. More towards like, this, all right, this, this does is, this, oh, this does, absolutely. <laughs> this, this port finished Irish whiskey. But, um. I can't believe it's a, what did you say it was? 158.4. Buck, buck 16.8. Jesus. Yeah, it, that's It, great, it does man. not drink. That's it's awesome. like 94. <laughs> oh, seriously. Uh, ble- please support our good friends at Warehouse Liquors yeah, yeah. because I know they have some of this left in Fuck stock. You, Zach. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, you know what? Except don't sp- we, support specifically we, we, Zach. We're talking about supporting Warehouse. We're talking about everyone else besides Zach. Zach has to fend for his own. He has to scrounge around. I hope to meet him one day and put Zach. some of these oh, mean comments into, oh. into context. I think I'm recording with him tomorrow. Cool. Yeah. I'm sure you'll have a good time. We shall see. Zach, if you're listening, I love you. Mm, there you go. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because this is what we were just talking about with only buying portions of single barrels is very much what, so downstairs at Delilah's right now, I have uh, four, you, do you guys need to celebrate for a second? No, no. nothing happened. Nothing, just nothing happened. happened. William okay. was trying to break my heart. Okay. Um, I was I was almost celebrating a goal getting scored against, against everything. Because <laughs> so I'd rather play uh, Fulham. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't want to mm. play Everton. You have to win that. your game, though, too. We anyway. have to win our game against West, West Ham. Shh. We'll get into that in the next episode, okay. the soccer episode. Okay. Circling back. That's, <laughs> that's why I love what we've done recently. So downstairs right now, my four bottles of our new uh, Illinois-only single barrels are sitting on the bar and being sampled out. Oh, uh, I love that. And those were picked up by our distributors, Southern Glazers. There's another, there's another ruby port cask like this. There is a full maturation PX Sherry 14-year age statement small batch. There is a... What else? A virgin American oak single malt, and then there is also a cognac cask pot still. Do you the say whole, virgin American oak? Virgin American oak. So yes. not not charred or uh, not used. Light toasted. That's it. That's it. Interesting. That's the whole jam. Really. Um, so they brought in four single barrels for exactly the reason that you guys are talking about. Where now any on trade account, any, well any account in the city of Chicago can just say, "Oh, I want in on this single barrel game, but I only want two cases." Yeah. So they can just order a couple cases. The distributor already hit the overhead on That's those, great which that. I think is brilliant, and I hope we really keep doing. I think it's cool too. I, uh, we're doing it right now with a single barrel, but I mean, we're obviously a much smaller company than Teeling and we have the availability for, I think we bought them like 20 cases of a single barrel and we're selling it as a city series. So oh, just cool. like Chicago yeah. and it has like a, a Chicago keychain that comes with it. Mm-hmm. But that kind oh, of thing. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a way of getting, you know, some more on-prem spots involved. Like you said, case by case. Yes. Nothing like you don't have to make a huge commitment to it. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of bars in Chicago that want to do single barrel programs. Like we literally yes. don't have the space to hold the cases. Yep. Like we would, we can, and we can distributors afford, don't want to hang on to that. No, like we can afford to do it, but we can't just order, you know, ordering case by case or two cases by two cases every week. The distributors are like, well, that's not enough. We need yeah. to get it out. We need at least half of it committed to within the first 30 days or whatever it might be. Well, and ultimately when it comes to that barrel program stuff, it's like, look, so long as it's not covering up any TTB necessary or brand necessary stuff, yeah. we can make account stickers. Sure. Like I can make a sticker that says, oh, you pulled these three cases from this single barrel. You got 
bottles number 18, 19, 20, and 21, blah, blah, blah. But whatever it is, that's that's very possible. I was literally just doing that uh, last night for really? this guy. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There you go. How about that? Yeah. Look at that, look at that lovely sticker. Because his bottles came and there was, his name was not on the bottle. Oh, oh like, whoops. Well, well, well. Well, at least there was nobody else's name on the bottle. Mm, yes, that would have been Very much true. more awkward. Yeah, it is, I've had. Have you ever had to do that? Resell a barrel where an account just like we're not taking the rest of us in. And I have not had that experience, but it sounds dreadful. Yeah, went through that this year. It was fun. Ooh, real neat. fun. Real fun. I just uh, more honesty within the account would have been good. You know, of why they didn't want the rest of the cases and all that kind of stuff. It's it makes it difficult because you feel like you're doing so much work. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're getting no numbers out of it because these cases oh, are no. already committed to, already mm-hmm. brought over. Everything that goes along with that being a sales rep, you're like, I already sold this once. Now I have to revisit it how many months later and then resell it again to accounts. And you feel good. Like, oh, I'm, now I have this single barrel into five accounts, spread across five accounts. But you're like, didn't really do anything for the company. I mean, recognition, yes. Numbers-wise, since my job has shifted from ambassador to more business development manager, you're like, hmm. My, using my time wisely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Are we using our time wisely, Matthew? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. On, on a Tuesday at Delilah's recording Sa- Saturday. podcast, baby. Oh, yeah, right. It's Saturday. <laughs> We're not. This isn't during a nine to five. No. 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 You know, what is time? I don't know. These man-made constructs attempting to keep us down. So right? is your single barrel program... Uh, only in America, or are you selling it across the world? You know, I don't actually have an answer for that, but, oh, yeah, actually, you know what? Yes, I do, because apparently Germany pulls in a lot. So, yes, that Dangerous. is international. I, I did Germany hear Germany loves it. I did, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah take yeah, a single barrel. This is lovely. How does Jurgen Klopp pronounce? With Teeling Whiskey? Yeah. Uh, this is the good to the tea, uh, tealing whiskey. Um, <laughs> we hope that uh, we have uh, Alex. Alex um, took a knock in the game. Uh, his laceration on his um, on his knee, but he would hope to have him back, um, back for Aston Villa and uh, then Burnley in the following week. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, tealing was very schön and very lecker. Oh, danke. Danke. Oh, I think it's just a fascinating concept because I was talking to a Pernod Irish whiskey rep, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I kind of leave it. want to leave his conversation out of it completely. That is fine. But he was <laughs> talking you. about how they didn't have single barrels in America, not asking you to comment on another company, but because of taxes Interesting. And, and tariffs. And I'm like, well, Teeling has it. So how do you guys He's like, that's a really good question. I've always been told that it's because of taxes and tariffs that we don't bring single barrels over. He got a hmm. nice spanking on the bottom. <laughs> good Ooh. question, buddy. We don't do that. It's the taxes. Mm, it's above your pay. Don't, don't even naughty. worry about it. No. Uh, yes, I did uh, spank um, the player on the, on the rear end. But is, it was just, are there any other Irish whiskey single barrel programs out here in Illinois? I can't think of any. That I'm, that I'm aware of? No. Okay. I, can't, I can't think of any other single barrels that I've seen. And that's a fascinating question because I haven't really looked too yeah, but, yeah, sorry, into that you, too much. You no, 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 no. But I'm, I'm glad you asked, though, because now I'm going to start looking for that. I'm very interested. I'm always curious because there's a handful of Australian distilleries over here. Sure. And eventually one of them is going to start doing a single barrel program, yeah. I assume, just because they'll understand the market better once they've been over here as long as we have been. And, and I'm like, will that take away space or help us out in mm-hmm. that programming? Because in the international new world whiskey sense... 
I think it's great when other companies start launching single barrel programs or launching in America yeah. in general because you grab a bottle of, of Stoning or a bottle of Bren, like hopefully that will then bring you into the other categories that are outside of the, of the U.S., yes. Ireland, Scotland, and Japan as the big four. So I, I love that. And one of the things we one of the things we say with Teeling in particular and something I very I stick very near and dear to is the concept of a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. Right? The better all Irish whiskey is doing, the better Irish whiskey is going to do ultimately. This is why I'm not afraid to talk about and compliment competitors, other brands, <laughs> things like that, because there's a lot of really great Irish whiskey on the market, and frankly, I just want people to drink more Irish whiskey. Sure. No, that's great. As a category expands, you guys should just do. I mean, you're obviously making really dope shit, so mm-hmm. why wouldn't people drink your whiskey? I, man, I, I got a little bit on my hands and I rubbed it, and it, all I smelled was like dark chocolate. Oh, it's so like, chocolate. Like raspberries or something. Some kind of yeah. red well, fruit. So our, all of our single malts, we do a small percentage of the actual mash with crystal malt as opposed to just... Um, as opposed to just malted barley. Yeah. So crystal malt, for anyone who is listening who is unfamiliar, it's actually something that's found in beer more commonly than whiskey, but it's where you're really dark roasting that malt so that some of the sugars crystallize. So it's exactly what it sounds like, but that lends this really like rich, chocolatey coffee note to everything, Mm. and that's this beautiful through line to all of our single malts. Any of the single barrels I've had, any of our, our core line single malt, anything like that, it's just, it's always got that lovely little dark chocolate coffee thing just hiding underneath. Interesting. And then, of course, obviously from the Ruby Port here, you're getting all those lovely rich red fruits, that wonderful port ca- uh, character to it, yeah. that little bit of whininess in there. I love when you can taste each part of the process of making whiskey mm-hmm. inside the glass. It's yes. not just the how it tasted off the still. It's not just what the barrel effect was on onto the whiskey itself after maturing in the cast for X number of years, which I think was a little too hyped up in this whole craft whiskey boom, small, small uh, spirits boom. Mm-hmm. Um, because people didn't know how to identify and talk about what they were doing from the mashing, the, dis- the fermenting and distillation process. Mm-hmm. Now that they've grown up 10, 12, 15 years into that process, they understand what they're doing from beginning to the actual end product. I think totally. They're I, not. Uh, they're they're they put away the uh, Dave Pickrell and Nancy Frailing uh, playbook. Ooh! And, wow! Uh, Shots fired! Wow! Yeah, and really? starting to develop their own style. Whistle pick will be on the program on Friday. I was just gonna say this. Oh, <laughs> this very much circles back to the the uh, argument in my home with Kelly saying no American whiskey or that it's or that's one dimensional or boring. Uh, so the problem there is that so many of those massive core brands really rely on that really heavily heavy barrel and it's like oh cool great so it's American whiskey so it's gonna taste like toasted coconut and vanillins and baking cabinet spice blah 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 mm, right when you're not getting the rest of the process you're just getting the last step mm. so that distillate really doesn't matter as much the mash bill is gonna come into play a little more heavily but yeah. how they're producing that juice just doesn't doesn't quite ring through as much in the finished product which is interesting to see now how big guys like that jim beam being one of them releasing this terroir terroir series Mm -hmm. um from each part of their shooting warehouses all across the kentucky area and seeing how with the heart with is that what the hardened yeah yeah so they're um trying to see how the individual uh placements of the barrels inside of rick houses and each property affect the whiskey itself and aging it for a longer period of time, working on whiskey that was put into someone put in the barrels um, in Booker's time. 
So yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that release kind of coming out now. Very cool. And how that relates to it. It's, but it, I think it's something that we have a conversation quite a fi- quite a bit about how these small guys over the last you know whatever 10 15 years in the whiskey boom have really affected the entire industry and not just from the drinkers and the people that are going to bars and buying things at the retail shops like warehouse liquor where you can get this delicious teeling single barrel it's also affecting the major players of the whiskey industry and how they approach to making whiskey and and releasing and selling it i love seeing that frankly i think I think for many, many years, the whiskey industry worldwide across every category was defined by the major portfolios. Mm. And while we are dealing with a very heavily saturated market on all fronts, I feel like, as you're just saying, that's at least pushing even the big players to rethink their strategy and say, oh, you know, are we going to lose customer base because we're just trying to produce the exact same juice every single time? Mm-hmm. Maybe little variance is good. Yeah, no, I, and it kind of gets on what Chuck Crowder is writing about this week, this month in Whiskey Advocate. Um, people talking about how are we in this whiskey boom and is it going to burst? Mm-hmm. His perspective and his think piece this month was more about what if this is the new normal? Instead of going through, we've only really seen maybe one or two cycles of whiskey in America because we're such a young country. Mm-hmm. Um, and even worldwide, in the adaptation of globalization, we don't really know how the whiskey market will be a cyclical effect. But he pondered, what if we have 2,300 whiskey distilleries and it only keeps growing because these houses are now maturing whiskey and housing whiskey more than we ever have since like World War II. Mm-hmm. What if we keep doing that, making more whiskey, making good quality whiskey, and instead of having, um, oh, what's the, what was the merger of the uh, distillers in the 1800s? That was... The, took shape in Peoria where they were housed. Well, Hiram Walker. Yeah, 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 he was part of that. But, you know, it was basically what was happening. They were buying up all the small guys, and there was only, you know, really, truly a handful of producers across the United States. Well, what if these guys persist, and these 2,300 distilleries keeps multiplying, and we start housing really good whiskey and releasing really good whiskey down down the line instead of it bursting, it grows, and it becomes a whole new page and a whole new effect into the whiskey industry. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh... Get, not what you were saying. What you, uh, Chuck said. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I w- I'm, gl- I'm glad you. I'm glad you don't think what Jake said was interesting there. <laughs> yes. I, w- I, uh, I don't really say many things that are interesting. Yeah. I wonder. Um, That's why I'm fired. I, I didn't read that piece, uh, but it, it is interesting that he thinks. Uh, what if it keeps going? Because you know, distilleries. He's pondering. He's yeah, say he, He's pondering. Well, I, 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 I don't think it will keep on growing and i'll tell you why oh daddy. distilleries just need a wider footprint to be successful and they explain need to, what do you mean by wider the the um the initial investment in opening a distillery is so great mm-hmm. and the yield you get from the raw product so little that you can't exist like a, a, a microbrewery does. You can't exist on, you know, being conservative in distribution and just kind of existing to, to you know, feed your neighborhood and like your own backyard and, you know, selling from your location. At some point, you do need to get, go to market to make some money back. Sure. And I think that is the, the real sauce um, to how this is going to play out because there's going to be a lot of distilleries that are open today that are no longer going to find distribution profitable for themselves because it's such a expensive ordeal 
mm. and they're going to have to ask some tough, tough questions of themselves and maybe just exist as very small operations that have a brewery or a, a, a kind of microbrewery feel. Yeah. Um, the still pub. A, a, the still pub, pub as that. the Illinois Craft Distillers Guild uh, was gunning for. Oh, really? Yeah, so in 2019, that was, or 18, 18 or 19, that was a big part of the Oh the yeah, craft, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craft Distillery Modernization Act. I remember is, uh, talking to your former employers about that quite a bit. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Well, they um, I, they bought a, uh, another location too in downtown. Glenda. Right. They're right. putting that. Uh, they're putting that to use. Maybe they'll use my idea of barrel aging cast down there in the uh, River Valley and see the effects of it versus up top on the hill. Oh yeah, I, I actually asked them about it. I said, um, "Hey guys, what do you think of Jake's idea?" And they said, um, "Oh, we thought it was stupid." That's actually how they told me. And, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. And he should feel bad about any of his future yeah. ideas. And what we're actually going to do is just uh, um, put uh, put the the barrels in uh, in the cow pasture and just let them kind of knock that barrel around mm. just to and fro for like enrichment activities. It's a real cow pie effect. Mike Blum, owner of Harry Cows, Highland Highland Cows. There he you has go. two. Yeah, he also has the Mangalitsa Mangalitsa pigs, the Harry pigs. Hmm. Um, back to Teeling. Back to Teeling. Thanks. Matt. You're you're welcome. Circling well, I'll see you guys later. Pigs. Are are you? Um, I, I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? Are you responsible for selling a certain amount of single barrels a year? No, I am no. not. Uh, in fact, I am responsible for very little but education, which okay. is fantastic and something I love about this role. Yeah, uh, I, it's it's really all about advocacy, especially because, as we've discussed, Irish whiskey. A lot of people have an image of Irish whiskey mm. in their mind that it takes a lot of boots on the ground and a lot of time to slowly sway people away from that. It's easy with the whiskey heads, right? I just mm-hmm. poured you to this fantastic yeah. single barrel and you both went, wow, this is a fantastic single barrel. <laughs> yeah. That was a mission, that was, mission accomplished. Yep, nailed it. Really nailed it. However, we all know how uh, Chicago does St. Patrick's day. You think I'm going to be able to compete with uh, say JMO and Tully in the, average Chicago dive bar? No, I am no. not. That's that's not going to happen. So it takes that boots on the ground, day by day, brand ambassador work to really win hearts and minds for the category. So that's very much about education. Yeah. The, the single barrels are going to sell themselves. Mm. You know, again, places like here at Delilah's, which Mike, if you're listening, I would really like you to bring in a single barrel. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. with Warehouse, with Binnie's, with all of these wonderful places that have brought in single barrels, with our friends at the Gage Restaurant Group who bought oh, a fantastic yeah. single barrel of the Ruby Port cask. Uh, you know, they're they're really pushing the product because they have faith in it. They believe that their pick is going to be excellent, which mm-hmm. all of them are. And it's anyway, really. So I, I'm not responsible for that because the people who want it know what it is and are going to get it. What's the on trade doing with your single barrels? Are they putting it in the flights, just tasting it out, building cocktails? So for the few places that actually have their own, they're mostly going to be places that, again, like the Gage. So the Gage yeah. and the Dawson, for example, they're just they're using that as a neat pour. That's just an add-on neat pour. They've got it. They have the clientele. They have the bar space. They have the back bar for it, and yeah. they know that they have clientele that are going to come in and say, "Ooh, I didn't realize this was on your specific single barrel pick list." These are also places that have multiple single barrels of their own of varying brands, mm-hmm. right? Um, other than that, nobody, you know, no smaller, no smaller scale on trade places are doing anything yet. 
that's circling back to the single barrels that I have on the bar downstairs. I'm in, I'm really excited to see what people wind up doing with it. Because mm-hmm. if you want to bring in just two cases of that virgin American oak single malt, I really want to know what your bar is going to do with it. Yeah. Is that in a flight? Is that just going to sit on the back bar and gather dust? Do you want a cocktail with it? You tell me. And I'm, I'm excited to see what that develops. Because I think this would be an amazing whiskey sour. Oh, it's an absolute <laughs> banger of a whiskey sour. Yeah. Uh, it makes a tremendous Manhattan, yeah, obviously, yeah, because obviously, it's already yeah. got the port in there. Uh, and that's, oh God, what's, what's the other one? What else have I done with this? Uh, not specifically this too. I have multiple Ruby it, I, port casks. It might sound, I don't know what the word might be, but, uh, put it in a penicillin as the base. Oh, then, I see that. Yeah. And then like we'll awesome. on top of it, like yeah. cutting through it and adding that spice. And obviously a lot of the other elements you get from, uh, Isla cask, um, kind of going through the fruit notes of this. What's the penicillin again? Is that ginger? You can have a little ginger in there. Okay. Ginger, honey, lemon. It's going to be a whiskey base with a, a peated single malt rinse on top. Yeah. Ah, the single malt rinse. Those, that's the PD guy. Though I will say that's this. That's the we, sauce. That's, that's the sauce right there. Though I will say we do have uh, a lovely expression of Irish peated single malt, our Teeling Black Pits, one of my oh. all-time favorite whiskeys. Really, really excellent stuff. And it makes an excellent penicillin just by itself because yeah, it's already peated. So that. you just shake that up and you're good to go. The other one, this is getting real nerdy mixology, is do you guys know the Cooper Union? Have yeah. you heard of that? Cooper Union's a favorite of mine. In New York City? Uh, there you go. That's that's a It's a Sazerac riff that normally is Irish whiskey, St. Germain elderflower liqueur, a little bit of orange bitters in there. And then you do that same, you do a, a, mm. an Isla single malt rinse on there. Well, you can take our black pits and make that entire cocktail without the rinse because it's already peated Irish and it is a banger of a cocktail. Sounds delicious. Absolute crusher. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, black, uh, if, if you like um, black, uh, oh, black pits. Can we turn his mic off at this point? You, is uh, that you're you're going to love <laughs> Dark Holes from Teeling Whiskey coming out 2025. Wouldn't it be bright? It's a synonyms. I get it. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Alex. <laughs> Beautiful um, transition. Key, key in the lake. You seem um, very happy first, in this role. I really am. I thought you weren't wi- happy uh, in your other po- jobs. No, of course not. Podcast um, with whiskey, now whiskey in its name. It seems like the, uh, I know you love the history of whiskey, the history of yes. cocktails and everything along Absolutely. those lines we do. To, it seems you really integrate it with this company because there's such a rich tradition when it comes to Irish whiskey. Very much so. And there's in many ways a lost history here. Yeah. So I really get to feel like I'm part of I'm part of, again, I, I hate to point back to the Phoenix here, but I'm, I'm part of a rebirth. I'm part of a, the regrowth of this particular, this particular seg- uh, segment of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And as you called out, I've loved all of the various whiskey companies I've worked for over the years. And big shout out to all of them for making fantastic whiskey. Yeah. But with Teeling, I really feel like I have found a home where I can spend a lot of time where I can really mm-hmm. sink mm-hmm. my teeth in and say, no, I get to be part of something a little bit bigger than than just moving cases and bottles and things like that. I get to talk about the whole category. I get to talk about a, a lot of history, and I get to drink some damn good whiskey in the process. It's Hell always, yeah, Alex. It's always a good thing. Yeah, that rules. What is, um, what's like the ideal like teeling success look like to you? Do you want people... Do you want like... Uh, this to be in the home of all the whiskey fans, like as they kind of rotate through their their nightly pours, they're drinking Teeling every other night. Or what? What? Where do you want? Where do you want Teeling to to win? 
That's a marvelous question. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Jake wrote it down and slipped it over to me. <laughs> it's like a, a substitute coming on yeah. in the Premier League. He said, uh, note. exactly. He sent me the note and he also mouthed, you need to talk. He's actually holding Because I hadn't talked except for jokes in a while. You're doing great. He's actually holding doing a cue great. card you're on doing the other great. side. You're, do, you're doing great. Uh, really, really what I would like to see is, first of all, again, just stepping outside of Teeling, I would like to see a greater understanding of the Irish category just throughout the mm. consumer base. Not the whiskey head base, but the consumer base. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is Teeling is a very easy way to do that. Teeling is the easiest door into understanding overall Irish whiskey. Mm -hmm. Where I would like to see the brand, I, yes is the answer to what you said. I would love to see it on every <laughs> on every whiskey head's shelf because we have a whiskey for every whiskey head. I bet. As mm -hmm. I mentioned, we've got well over mm -hmm. 100 plus single barrels that are just out there. There are barrels that I've never tasted and may never taste. Yeah. They're some of the finest whiskeys I've ever had. A few years ago, the distillery produced a, uh, it was a, I believe it was a single malt, I want to say, and it was in uh, Hungarian oak casks, and they did one barrel from the distillery. Uh, Kelly had like the last two ounces of it. That was, that's we we drank that to celebrate me getting this job, and <laughs> God help me, it's one of the best whiskeys I've had that's in awesome. my life, and it'll never exist again, right? Right. So there's stuff like that out there. So every whiskey head can get behind this, mm. but I know that in the Irish world, we're never going to replace Jameson as people's just like drink of choice right. or, or shot of choice on like St. Patrick's Day. And I respect that. That's okay. That's that's the image that has it's been good conjured. To, yeah, it's good to know who you aren't. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. But what I would love is to have some converts who have just mindlessly consumed, and I'm not even talking on JMO, just any yeah. major Irish whiskey brand there out there. The Irish whiskey just whiskey like, whiskey oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, drink whis I drink Irish and ginger. That's what I do. Right. Whatever you have. I would love to see more consumers mindfully consuming Teeling and saying, mm. oh, walking into one of the many amazing Irish pubs in Chicago and saying, oh, you've got that Teeling? Fantastic. I would love a Teeling and ginger ale, just Teeling small batch ginger ale. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that success just categorically. Even, even better, well, I don't want to, for me, even better would be like walking into an uh, Irish whiskey bar in Chicago and ordering a Teeling and then not having it people be like, where, where was the tealing? Oh, I would love to see you know? that. Mm -hmm. Well, I both love and hate to see that because <laughs> if they're doing that, then I'm not doing my job very well. Well, the, the <laughs> it would be the, the customer uh, give, haranguing the bar. Like, yeah. you call yourself an Irish bar, you don't have tealing? You don't have that tealing? Come what, on, man. What's wrong with you? That's the, the Irish The Phoenix, it's the it's <laughs> coming from the ashes. I wish there's more Australian pubs. And, and then they yeah. burn, the, burn the bar down hmm. in defiance and they say, well... What's going to reemerge from these ashes? Jean Grey. In Australian bar. Jean Grey is. Jean oh, Grey is. Just yeah. Absolutely. Getting Great. That if you like Jean Grey. Oh, here he goes. If you like, uh, if, uh, if you like Jean Grey, you'll love Denim Pants Bleak. Denim. <laughs> yeah. Pants Denim. <laughs> nope, you missed it. What did you say? Uh, denim Bleak. Okay. Denim Bleak. Oh, I see, I see. I see where we're at. Yeah. Synonyms. Right. Synonyms. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good too. Got Thank it. you. Matt, you're doing my bit. Now I can't do it anymore. So happy to do it for Fucked. you too, sir. So happy to do it for you. Well, On the next episode. What? I'm going to be even comfier than this. 
tell you what. Do you want to stay even? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just try and stop me. Should we just raid the back bar of the upstairs bar of Delilah's and see what happens? That's a really good thing to admit on a microphone right before we drink a bunch of really expensive whiskey we're I not know, supposed to be I don't pouring. think Mike listens to the podcast. I'm pretty sure Ian, who's downstairs behind the bar, does. So. There's a lot of mezcal back there. There is a lot of mezcal. We could really, we could really hit yeah, that mezcal. Yeah. Oh, also, to all the listeners, please support Delilah's. Absolutely. The number one spirits bar in the entire world. What about yep. liquor.com? Mm-hmm. Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> He's laughing because he hasn't. Yeah. Uh, What's a website? I don't know. You told me you'd explain what a podcast is one of these days. I don't know where to listen to this. This podcast? Or podcast in general? Both. Podcast.com. Okay. Got it. <laughs> That's simple enough. Yes. You'll find it there. Um, no, uh, Alex, appreciate the time. Um, appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It's a uh, festive time of year. This is like this is a perfect Christmas whiskey too. It really is. Yeah. It's it's a very very festive. It's a good gift. All that kind of stuff. So please go support Warehouse Liquors. Pick up this uh, wonderful Ruby Port cast. They have enough tealing. of it left in stock for everybody. You think for everybody? <laughs> that's a lot of people. <laughs> but I'm sure they have enough for a few people. There you go. You heard it here first. And when you and when you talk to Zach on your next podcast, I'm sure he can give you an exact yes. inventory count. Tell him that Matt Brown sent you. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like, "Who? What? Where? Him? Why? That scurrilous little mountebank is sending people here." Anyways, thanks for listening to. Ooh, I've been Keel- asking, I'm asking people this too. Healing in the lake. Um, do you have a favorite whiskey moment of the year? Ooh, favorite whiskey moment of the year? Cocktail, something in the industry, yeah. I know you've been on some pretty cool trips. I have been on some cool trips. We've had a, we've had a lot of fun. We've done a lot of whiskey this year. Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, my, my favorite whiskey encounter has been with uh, celebrity actor uh, Sam Hewen. Oh, yeah? Yes. So two things happened. One, uh, so d- uh, during Tales of the Cocktail, down in New Orleans, Teeling did an amazing parlor, and we had a bunch of really fun... Really, really fun uh, bottles there. Mm-hmm. If anybody listening does not know who Sam Hewen is, he's the star of the show Outlander, uh, uh, a rakishly handsome Scottish gentleman, and also just one of the nicest guys I've met in my life. Mm. Really cool dude. So I was lucky enough to be standing right by the door when he walked in, and I immediately was starstruck, but managed mm-hmm. to gather my wits and say, oh, Mr. Hewen, it's so nice to have you here, blah, 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 blah. Circled, uh, or fast forward a couple of, a couple of months and his uh, business manager winds up reaching out to me saying, hey, we're doing a bottle launch in Chicago at mm. Vinny's. Would you, would, you like to come and, and would you like to come and meet Sam? And I said, well, absolutely. In fact, I have some whiskey I could bring you guys because I know he really likes teeling. Mm. So Kelly and I attend. There's this mile and a half long line out the door. People had been there, lined up at Vinny's since like 2 a.m. And we thought this was going to be a some sort of like VIP a whole session. No, it was just us. We just get skipped the entire line. We go and to any <laughs> massive Outlander fans listening, I'm so sorry if this is making you angry, but this was not this just happened. Uh, this just happened to us. So we just get ushered back by the business manager. Sam is sitting there just signing bottles yeah. right and left. He's scribbling on them, scribbling on them, blah 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 blah. We just get to sit with him and just chat for like 20 minutes about whiskey. Cool. He's the nicest guy. And what was the sweetest part, and why I say this was my favorite whiskey experience, is because we had brought our bottle of his uh, Sassanac blended, that's, that's his uh, blended yeah. whiskey. Uh, really phenomenal stuff. I'll make a shameless plug for it here. Good, really, man. really excellent whiskey. You did a great job. 
And I sheepishly pulled out our bottle and said, look, I know we gifted you a whiskey, but would you mind signing ours? We're both big fans of the show. He said, no, absolutely. And the most charming thing was that he all of a sudden starts to like scribble his signature, and both Kelly and I observe that he stops, takes a deep breath, wipes the Sharpie off with his thumb, and then takes another breath and pauses, and puts a very like nicely done, delicate signature on there with a little slancha mm. and a message and all yeah. that. Like he took the time, just the nicest celebrity cool. I've gotten to meet in my life. He took the time to actually like sign our bottle. Uh, so there, there's there's my shameless plug. Drink Sassenack, support Sam Hewitt. He's an awesome, awesome dude. That's awesome. I Who's bet. the rudest celebrity you've ever met? <laughs> Who, well, you obviously. Fair enough. Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are, my dear boy. Mine is Ram Emanuel. Very rude man. Nasty oh. little man. Noted. Duly noted. Met his wife a few times. Okay. Yeah. Mm. At our old uh, podcast studio at Beguile. Ah. Yeah. They used to buy a lot of Beguile beer. Interesting. Mm. Yep. And well. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you uh, for tuning in to Key and the Lake. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. It's cool to hear. Um, it's always nice when people are, are good to one another. I was actually at Benny's the day before that event in a meeting, and they had like all the 75 stacks of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we aren't sure if we have enough. And yeah. Like, and, and he was launching the gin at the time, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Quite good. Very delicate. Very delicate gin. I haven't had the gin. Well, mm. um, glad there's nice people still out there in the world. We need it, don't we, Matt? <laughs> We sure do. Counter, counteract the, the map round effect. Yes. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Alex, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing this beautiful whiskey. And Matt, thank you for being cozy. My pleasure. Ooh, baby. I'm in here. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.